0: Well, it's a great time of the year, isn't it? I really do enjoy January. Traffic is reasonable. It's like how it ought to be the rest of the year, isn't it, really? Why can't they get that right for us? And just the, the lack of, of of tension in a way, it's just such an easier show, although that's depending if the team you're following is winning, of course. We were at the Big Bash last night, and unfortunately that part of Sydney that we follow didn't win. But that's okay, you can live with that. It's just cricket Fine. Well, it's not really cricket, is it, Big Bash? But anyway, it's another variation of that whole thing. But it's a nice time of the year, a nice time of the year just to pause for a moment, just to, before we get back on the treadmill again of the busyness that our lives are so full of these days. And it strikes me it's a good time to stop and to just ask myself, ask ourselves, individually and collectively, what, what do we want for this year that's coming? Of course, it's inevitably caught up in the whole notion of New Year's resolutions. Uh, you know, that whole sense of, here's a chance, a new page. We haven't soiled any of this year. It's like turning over that new exercise book. I remember in school, that you know, the beginning of the school year, when you had that clean new exercise book. And you hadn't, well, here's my age. I hadn't blotted it yet, or any of those things. You know, it was sort of a new start, it's a lovely experience, isn't it? That new beginning, untouched. And that's why I think for many of us, it's become a tradition to start to say, well, what about news resolutions? Mind you, there's not a new thing. It goes way back to the Babylonians who did it. And they would uh, uh, they would start to make resolutions. The Romans uh, would would make offerings and make commitments to Janus, from which we get the name January, the name of the month. And in the Middle Ages, the, the medieval knights at New Year would promise their vow of to be faithful and to be just and to be true. So it's not a new thing, but it certainly gets some energy, doesn't it, along the way. And I wonder if, if we start to talk about that, uh, could I say to you what I've included actually in the newsletter this morning is just a, a new Year's re- suggested New Year's resolution. But I wonder what would yours be? One of the things you would... Re- I like this one I saw, my New Year's resolutions. And it gives you the list. It's up on the board to, to show you those things that, uh, that you might want to include on yours. I'm giving you some helpful suggestions here this, this morning. So things like, as you can read them, you know, eat more chocolate. Mm, spend more time with a cat and don't have one. But anyway, that's okay. But that, that list of really quite sensible things, aren't they? Well tongue-in-cheek obviously. I'm not sure whether that captures your list or not. Mind you somewhere on it should have been something about buying a gym membership and then recognising that I'm probably not going to use it after February because that's often the case isn't it? We've done that sort of thing. We've said I need to do this. You know the, the statisticians tell us that Over 50% of those resolutions that you and I have already made, we will not have fulfilled by the end of February. We've already lost them. And maybe that's why some of us say, I'm giving up on this. I'm not going to make any more resolutions because I can't keep them. In fact, that's one reason why they suggest we don't keep them is because, because we make too many. Or they're not specific enough or they're not realistic enough. Of course, one of the issues for us in our day and age is the whole issue of body shape and weight, isn't it? I like this one. Look, this, this, here's, a, here's a result. I'm not sure it's really mine. Uh, it comes after the App Store, if you just roll the next one on. Uh, 2014, I'll get my weight down below 80 k's. 2015, I'll follow my new weight diet religiously till I get below 90 k's. 2016, I'll develop a re- realistic attitude about my weight. 2017, I'll work out three days a week. 2018, I'll try and drive past a gym at least once a week. Now, that's maybe a statement of <laughs> realism in that. But actually, you would have seen, if I could go back to that earlier slide, thanks about Apple, I'm not sure about you, but I've been just swamped with suggestions, both on my iPhone and in other places, of kind of resolutions that you might want to make. I mean, the materialism in us, or the capitalism if you like, or the marketing ploy is of course to say, here's a moment when maybe you'll be open to this, so let me try and sell you something. And so I found over those first few days in the new year, on my iPhone, I'm getting all these suggestions of what I need to do for me so I'll be a better person in the year ahead, uh, provided I keep paying my phone bill, I guess. So it's kind of that, that sense of, okay, what about a resolution for us? I like this one. A New Year's resolution. Laugh a little louder, smile a little bigger, love a little deeper, and walk through a fire a little slower. Walk through life rather a little slower. Yes, New Year's resolutions. Of course, there is a sense for us of saying, well, it is an opportunity to pause. And so what, what do I want out of this year? And, and what do I want out of this that in some ways reflects not just my physical well-being, but my spiritual well-being? What, what do I want for myself spiritually? So here's one from a, a Bishop Vincent at the turn of the last century. A resolve for every day of the new year. I will this day try to live a simple, serene and sincere life, repelling promptly every thought of discontent, anxiety, discouragement, impurity, Self seeking, cultivating cheerfulness, charity and the habit of a holy science, exercising economy and expenditure, carefulness in conversation, diligence in appointed service, fidelity in every trust and a childlike trust in God. Well not our sort of language, perhaps, and maybe a bit solid to remember that for every day of the year. So what I want to suggest to you this morning but is that we just turn it over for a minute and we say, rather than what do I want to do for this year? Let us ask the question, God, what is it that you would want for us this year? Uh, It's almost like saying, Lord, what would be your new resolution, new year's resolution that you would suggest to us? If we're we're coming because we want to get this new year right, we want to have things in place, we want to try and make this a better year than the last year perhaps, what are the things that you would say to us? And this morning i wanted to come back to that passage that was read for us in Micah. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. What does the Lord require of you? Act justly, love mercy, work, walk humbly with your Lord. So in your newsletter you've got actually that outline. Now I'm not suggesting, I'm not so, uh, uh, so what dictatorialist, is, you ought to take this and stick it somewhere so throughout the year but I'm going to suggest to us that in this we find three really critical principles not only for us personally but for us as a community of faith as well what are some things what are some of the if you like the foundations the primary concepts the things that I want to try and make sure in place this year in my world now many of us will already do these but let's take this as a moment just of of reminder in that Micah is one what we call one of the minor prophets. In the Old Testament, you've got the major prophets, and they major prophets because there's a lot recorded in the Old Testament, so Jeremiah, Isaiah, particularly Ezekiel, quite long books if you have a look at the Old Testament section of the, of the Scriptures. The minor prophets, 12 minor prophets, they're called minor, not because what they said wasn't important, but because there's not so much written about them, only a couple of chapters. Micah is one of the minor prophets, They occur around about the same period of time. And Micah's speaking into a world which is in some ways in disarray. It's a time when Israel, the the promise to the people, of God's people, are now under some disorder and distress because of what's happening for them. There's been years of good and now it seems to be unravelling. Now I'm not going to suggest in any way that that's necessarily concurrent with our experiences of life. But goodness, you only have to open the newspaper, turn on the telly, flick on your iPhone to find out what's happening in the world, and you see this constant barrage, don't we, of stuff which suggests that there's just disorder, there's such a lack of harmony, there's such dysfunction in our world. You go, well, well you, you know, Micah, you were a long time ago, but the truth is the context you're talking into in some way resonates with our context. Now what was happening, of course, was that here were God's people And God had laid out for them, this is what you should be doing. And Micah and the prophets, they were saying, hey, guys, you're missing. You're missing what God wants for us. And so when that passage is read for us, you get this sense of this, well, well God, look, I've done these things for you. Look, what, what more do I do? And here's God's answer. God says, what do I require of you? This is what I require of you. These things, these things to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. There's something about these words which are quite eternal, aren't there? There's a simplicity about it. In fact, that could be a good news resolution, the sense of they're so easy to retain. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. You can almost retain it in the sense of tomorrow I'll remember that. Because that's often what we need. We need some foundations that just call us back that the Holy Spirit can use in our lives to say, oh, in this situation, what would it mean to act justly? What would it mean to exercise love? How how am I walking humbly with my God today? So let's have a look at those three things just briefly as we we move our way through this. Act justly. (laughs) Act justly. To act justly. It's got the sense of, yes, it is got the legal term, if you like, the sense of justice in a court of law. And Micah certainly talks about that. So do the other prophets in terms of the fact how the children of Israel were not acting justly and not behaving under Urdu. We had a series on Amos last year in 2017. And that whole sense of the prophet Amos talking into the community of faith saying, you people are not doing what God requires of you. It's got this broad sense too, but it's not just about if you like the issue of law. It's an issue of social justice. It's it's about what God's purpose is. It's interesting if you you, you, if you would do a Bible search on the question of justice. There's some uh, some very common words that turn up with that word justice. To whom should we be expressing justice? It's widows, fatherless, orphans, the poor, the hungry, the stranger, the needy, the weak, and the oppressed. God has a heart for harmony. God has a heart to restore people. God has a heart to see everyone enjoy the fruit of his creation. What is clear, what we know from that period of time, what we know from our period of time is there are people who do not get their fair share. Acting justly is about advocating and being involved in doing for those people who need support. It's who are the who are the marginalized? Who are the people who are invisible in our society? Who are the people who are clearly being disadvantaged in our society? Where do we need to work in those areas? And there's just the our own world today, our own experience of life indicates so often that. In part of my national role is a is a role in working with the Royal Commission on Child Sexual Abuse. And there's a whole area of where people were not advocated for, people were not protected, people were not looked after, particularly the most vulnerable, kids, little kids, little boys and girls. Now, we've come a long way, but we've got to do a lot more. See, it, it's, the, it's the voiceless who God says, I call you to be an advocate for those people. I mean, in some ways, but as a community of faith, we do that well. I'm constantly overwhelmed by the good stories that come out of Wunan, out of our work here with our Aboriginal kids coming out of Halls Creek, the opportunities for those kids. And for any of us who've spent any time in in Aboriginal communities, rural, isolated communities, you recognise the the restrictions, the barriers for the kids of those communities to be able to to get any advancement. And we know education is a ladle for that advancement. So to see young boys and girls coming out of Halls Creek going through the schools here, particularly Pacific Hills and William Clark previously, and to see that movement, I stand proud to belong to a people who say we're going to advocate for people who have who are voiceless, we're going to advocate for people who are clearly disadvantaged, who people who are locked out. I've also got to say here when a few weeks ago we read the statement on domestic violence which the Baptist Union of Australia has 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 articulated in terms of acknowledging failure in the past and a commitment to do more in the future, to recognise again there's a whole area in our contemporary society, isn't there, that we do well not to close our eyes and ears to anymore. We do well to be creating places of safety for, for women and children particularly. Now, we've done that as a community, but we need to keep doing that. We need to keep speaking that. Lord, what is it this year for me to act justly Uh, I think one of the things, and I brought the little booklet, Ethical Found Fashion Guide. I mean, interesting, once a year we take a group of Australian Baptist Church leaders to Parliament and spend a couple of days there meeting with our Senators and and uh, House of Representatives members to speak to them about issues like this. Last year we talked strongly about violence, violence against women and children, violence in places like in refugee communities, and the whole issue of Slaves, slavery in in our world today, particularly in the area of the garment industry. This little booklet published by Baptist World Aid called Ethical Fashion Guide is a a way of trying to help us better think about how we spend our dollars. Do I act justly when I go to the supermarket, when I go uh, to a retail outlet? Am I thinking about what was the cost for some people to get this garment to me so cheaply? What interests me, when we we're in Canberra and we we're talking to the federal politicians, none of them said to me, uh, Keith, my wife won't let me go shopping without that booklet. And I'm thinking, well, I'm pleased to think that we belong to a faith community that is doing those sort of things, seeking to, to alert the Australian, wide Australian community to the reality of what is just and what isn't anymore. And how do we do that and how we spend our dollars? Act justly. I wonder. I wonder for 2018, what is it? If you were to, to take that shoot that I've given an under just actly right, this is what I'm going to do to act justly this year. Might be something I'm already doing. I'm going to continue to emphasise that. Or it might be something, as you said, to even say, I'm aware there's kids in my school who are being bullied. I'm aware there's people in my street who are clearly disadvantaged. I'm aware and I'm going to do something about it. And as a church... We need to keep being responsive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit about what we should do collectively. There's no underestimating what we can achieve together. As I said, we take a group of pastors to Canberra once a year and I'm impressed by the fact that those parliamentarians know and take notice of the fact that in their area there are Baptist churches doing a variety of things. They take note. Now, sometimes I know we have a sense that we're a silent majority, but the truth is... We, we need to speak into areas of justice in our society today. Why? Because of the nature of our God. Because of who our God is. Because He is the Creator, the All Sustainer. And He depends on people like us to be advocates for those who have yet to experience the wonder of His love. Because that takes us to the second item. To act justly, secondly, to love mercy. It's a lovely word, this word, mercy in the New Testament particularly. It's got the whole sense of what God purposes for us together. You know, sort of the picture we get in Galatians, that there'll be this community that's established where you know, there's a harmony between the poor and the rich, the weak and the strong, the female and the male, the slave and the free, the alien and the Israelite. And that lovely will care for each other. There'll be a general common sense of that, which sometimes you see quite lovely in our Australian context the sense of people volunteering for all sorts of things to be involved to make our society a better place. It's not just the domain of those people who know who Jesus is for them. But there's a place where because we know God's love and have experienced God's love and his mercy and his forgiveness and his sustaining, then it moves us to, to maybe, well, not maybe, but to be concerned to express that more realistically in our communities around us kindness, compassion, sympathy, gentleness, benevolence, helpfulness. They're the things. Lord, what what do you want of me this year? What do you want of us this year? Well, act justly. Love mercy. Express mercy. You are the beneficiaries of my mercy. I remember reading a story about a group of of, uh, trainee ministers actually in the United States at Harvard and they They're having lectures on this sort of social awareness and empathy and compassion. And of course, out of that was the story of the great story, the great story Jesus tells of the Good Samaritan. So well known to all of us, so well known everywhere. A sense of someone who reaches out to someone who they didn't have a social obligation to help, but they help. So, any of these students are in the middle of this, they're in their final exams, and uh, the pattern of the exam was you're, you're going to answer the questions, there'll be a break in the middle, then we'll come back and finish the paper. It was a bit unusual, but anyway, they're doing this paper on Christian ethics. And so they're writing, 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 and uh, there's the break, now you can go outside, have a break, and come back. But this was the setup, you see, because during the break, the lecturer had got another a fellow student not in that course but known to them all in that theological college and he was lying on a walkway in some immediate distress, clearly. And Because you can imagine what happened. Well, I wonder what you're imagining what happened. That these students coming out of the exam room saw their colleague and rushed to help him. <laughs> no, they didn't. They came out of the exam room, they went to the bathroom, got to drink whatever they needed to do but their heads were full of this theory that they were having to write about. They all failed. And why did they fail? The lecturer said, yeah, I didn't fail you because of what you wrote. I failed you because of what you didn't do. Here you are studying about compassion and empathy. And what do you do? You walk past. You walk past someone who needed compassion and empathy. Here's the challenge, isn't it, for you and for me. Uh, how, do I, how do I show that love and that mercy in that way? Jesus, of course, tells that story, doesn't he? in response to this rich young man who says, gives the right answer, love the Lord you go with all your heart, all your soul and mind, love your neighbour as yourself. And and Jesus says, that's what, yes, that's right, you've said that quite rightly. And then, of course, Jesus, he says to Jesus, well, who is my neighbour? Who on my street is my neighbour? Who in my district is my neighbour? I'm going to try and limit my exposure here. It's a little bit like risk management. I'm I'm going to be careful to define pretty narrowly who my neighbour is because this could get expensive both in time and effort and finance. Well, Jesus pulls the carpet out for none of that, doesn't he? Who is my neighbour? Let me tell you a story, Jesus says. Well, I need to hear the story again, don't you? See, there's there's an inbuilt default for us. And the inbuilt default is I'm going to look after me. I'm, I'm aware of how important I am. <laughs> I'm not going to get involved. And the challenge is no, 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 Keith. Let, you've been re-scripted. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Who is, the, who is this person who needs your support, your help, your encouragement? Get beyond yourself. I almost hear the Lord say. <laughs> See those people. And so do for us. It's so easy for us as a faith community, you know, to be so involved with ourselves because it's a nice place to be the challenge for us always is to be looking outside who are the people who are not here who are the people who don't belong who are the people who don't come because they don't belong and how do we reach them because see that's the other twig of this about we've no mercy yes we do well then what's our obligation well Jesus says it so clear in Matthew 28 go as my people go 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 into all the world and Tell them. Tell them about my redeeming love. Tell them about the transforming power of learning experience. Tell them that the door is open for them. Tell them. Tell them. But some ways in our present society, increasing pluralism, a sense of, oh, we're not really sure, we've almost become silent. We've almost become quiet. Yes, they'll see us, hopefully, that we live differently, but will they know why we live differently? Well, they know it's got anything to do with the fact of this transforming power of Jesus and his love for us. And there's so many people who need to know. I mean, we've already talked this morning about the work in the Solomons and how encouraging that is, that the the opportunities for young people to be transformed through the avenue of sport to understand who Jesus is for them. You know, the truth is about a third of the people who we share this world with today, a third of the people, that's every third person sitting on the row where you are will go from life to death and never hear the word Jesus in a way that makes any sense to them uh, linguistically or culturally. A third. Compassion, mercy. Where is it for them? Where is it for them? 85% of the world's Buddhists and Muslims do not know a person, do not have any contact with a person who knows who Jesus is for them. How are they going to hear? As Paul says in Romans, if no one goes. So there's that challenge too for us. Why? Why? Because of our inexperience of God's love. Because people spoke into our worlds. People, people told us who Jesus was. People don't see who we could be and how we could respond. I mean, that's the challenge. Crossover Australia is one of the areas where, and I've missed some, but I just wanted to, and I forgot, I'm sorry, I meant to mention something about um, A Just Cause, which probably came up anyway. Thank you for the on the screen. Uh, A Just Cause is an organisation we've established Uh, to help us as Australian Baptists to act in those areas. Crossover, another one of our agencies, is uh, there to help Australian Baptists share Jesus on the website. Here are some ways that we as a church community, here are some ways you individually can be involved in effective ways of helping people discover what you know about who Jesus is. And finally, walk humbly with my God. That justly, love mercy, walk humbly with my God. This is a lovely statement, isn't it? Walk humbly. That's got the notion of let's not get ahead of ourselves. I think we've already reflected on that. Some of our songs this morning, we've been able to identify the wonder of this God who is almost beyond our comprehension except he purposed to give us comprehension through Jesus. The, the wonder of this God creator. Uh, you know, Luke talked about it in... Uh, in, in the earlier part, the sense of here is, here is this God who cares for you and me. As ordinary, simple people. No special claim on anything. And yet this God of all creation <laughs> pleases to stoop down to us. And to reach out to us. That's who I am. I'm, a, I am a son of this God. What a wonderful thing that is. And not because of anything I've done or you've done, but because of his love for us and his mercy to us. Walk humbly. And that humbly notion to us is a sense of being open to learn. If I'm going to walk humbly with my God, I'm going to acknowledge I have not arrived. Man, none of us struggle to acknowledge that, do we? I've still got issues well that's funny, you know, when when I was much younger, there was a sense of, I know when I get older, and up to that older age I am now, I'll have it all together. <laughs> oh dear, it doesn't happen like that, does it? In some ways, I'm not sure it gets more complex or just as complex. This sense of, I need to keep a learning posture. Lord, I need to hear your direction for me. Even though I've been on the journey for a long while, I still need to know. But here's the other lovely thing. Walk humbly with your God. Just this Christmas, for some reason, I was captured again by that statement. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. God with us. Not God away from us. Not God up there. It's because some of the other faiths have that notion of a nation of a God who's far, far removed from us. Here's the wonder of our experience. Here is a God who is with us, who walks with us, who invites us into that walk. I just, isn't that delightful? Marilyn and I don't do it religiously, but most mornings we go for a walk. There's something about that fellowship of a walk, of a chat together. Sometimes it's the silence of just enjoying the quietness of the morning. And other times it's sort of the, the, the chatting about the day or what's been or something that we hadn't discussed before. I don't want to make this sense of a humble walk with God. I want to make it mediocre. But it needs to be in a place that makes sense to you and to me. I need to walk with my God daily. I need to be open to his teaching. I wonder, how do you do that? How do you personally do that? How do you walk humbly with your God? Well, I think there's a couple of things. First thing is you've got to accept the invitation. And maybe for some of you this morning, you know, I've been saying words. You know, well, Keith, I'm not sure about this stuff about Jesus transforms. I'm not. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure I fit into that category. See, it works for other people, but I'm not sure about me. There's an invitation. There's an open invitation to all of us to begin to that journey of asking. Yes, it's going to take a level of trust. I'm going to have to finally trust Jesus is who he says he is. But that's okay. We can work that out. But I'd encourage you, if you've not yet even said, I'm not sure I could say I'm walking humbly with my God, don't let this year get any further along without beginning that journey of asking a question. Okay, so am I? Have I accepted the invitation? And if I have accepted this invitation to this walk with God, then how am I strengthening that? Can I make you one observation I found along the way uh, with this next slide? One of the things I've done now over a long period of time is try and put myself in a place where I'm challenged by something outside myself, challenge my thinking, open myself up to something that's a that is spontaneous in a way in the sense that I haven't manufactured it. So one of my regular habits over now a long period of time is to be new scripture, new material. In this case, it's it's uh, encounter with God. And I only offer that as a suggestion for you. What, what do you do to link yourself in to God in this daily pattern? How can I expect his direction if I'm not open to hear his direction? If I'm going to walk humbly, it means I'm going to have a learning posture. How am I learning? Am I making myself, am I saying I'm going to try and be in worship every Sunday where possible because in that place I hear God's word spoken in a way which I don't hear the rest of the week in all the other things I might be doing. What am I availing myself of? Have I, have I linked myself into a small group where with another group of people we can, 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 can together a journey of, on this. What's this issue in life? How do we deal with that? So let me finish. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. You cannot act justly and you cannot love mercy if you're not walking humbly with your God. The power to do those first two things comes out of this relationship with Jesus. Lord, as I walk humbly with you, show me where do I need to act justly here? Where do I need to put my energy in this issue? Lord, as I walk humbly with you today, who is it that I need to express your love to? Show me how to do that. I don't feel adequate to do that. I don't feel competent to do that. But I know with you, it's possible. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with my God. That's what God would say to us today. You want a New Year's resolution? Here's God's resolution. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with my God. Christmas Day, 1939. Not a lot of us were around at that stage. You might have seen the movie, The King's Speech. You might have seen that about King George, the present Queen's father, King George the Sixth. He was not a good speaker. In fact, he had quite a bad stutter. And an Australian voice coach helps him to get more confidence so he can make these Christmas Day, at that stage, just radio messages. 1939. Second World War has just begun. England's under tremendous pressure because of that. And so he quotes a poem, which was interestingly given to him by Queen Elizabeth, who's then a 13-year-old girl. It's written by Millie Louise Haskins. It says this, and the king said this in his speech, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied... Go into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. there shall be better than that shall be better than light and safer than a known way. Then he finished by saying, "May the Almighty hand guide and uphold us all." In fact, the poem goes on, and next started to say, "So I went forth, and finding the hand of God, trod gladly into the night. We have this privilege to, to journey into this year with the hand of God firmly leading us as we trust him. Let me pray. Father, we pause again just to acknowledge our fragility, our lack of understanding, and in some ways our anxiety about the things that are before us. We look around our world, we capture the world news even today again, events in and through our own society, and Lord, we come with a level of anxiety. But we thank you that you break into that with a light, with a hope that, as it were, sheds the darkness. And so, Lord, I pray for each of us as we now journey into this new year that, Lord, we might do it with the wisdom of walking humbly with you. Lord, I pray you'll help us to identify those areas where we need to act justly within our own communities and on behalf of others, in our own families, in our own districts. And then, Lord, I pray, too, that as the recipient of your grace and your mercy, that you'd help us to see where you are expecting us, where you are privileging us with the opportunity to share that with others. And then, Father, thank you. Thank you again now for this overwhelming invitation that you would walk with us every day. Thank you, Father. Give us now, through the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the opportunity and the willingness to put into place those things which we're committed to do because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.